4: And we'll unpack this a little bit. Stephon Gilmore has tested positive for COVID, the uh, star cornerback of the New England Patriots. That now means that the Patriots' best player on offense, Cam Newton, and their best player on defense, Stephon Gilmore, have both tested positive. So we will unpack what that means going forward. That news just breaking. But we're joined now by Carol Baskin. I know many of you watched uh, the uh, Tiger King on Netflix, one of the most popular Documentaries, one of the most popular streaming shows that has existed in the uh, 2020 year. And it was wildly popular back in March and April. And I appreciate her coming on. She just finished on Dancing with the Stars. And I got a question for you right off the top here, Carol. I now have two Bengal tiger kittens, you know, the, not the uh, actual tigers, but the, you know, kittens. Do you have any advice for me with the two of
5: those? I think maybe you need to prepare an outdoor cage, because when they become adults, they're going to be spraying urine all over everything in your That's house. That's actually what I've heard. Yeah, th- like,
1: yeah. Th-
4: this is a tough cat to have.
5: It really is. Most people are not prepared to give lifetime care to a hybrid cat.
4: Uh, and this is something that I should be concerned about, because nobody told me that. My my wife is a big cat person, and we got three kids, so they were like... We want to get one of uh, one of the Bengal cats, but that's what I heard. They're kittens now, but they're big. They become major problems as they get older.
5: You know, when people contact us, the reason that they want to give up their Bengal cats and their Savannah cats is almost always because they're just peeing all over everything because they're part wildcat, and that's how wildcats mark their territory.
1: Right.
4: Uh, so there are so many things I'm curious to get into with you, but I, I want to kind of start with uh, with the Dancing with the Stars. I know you can't talk about it all the experience. But I have talked to a bunch of people who have been on that show, and they say it's one of the most physically demanding things they have ever done. From a pure, just physically tired perspective, how difficult is it to actually be on the show? Because there's a lot of glitz and glamour associated with it, but I imagine you were pretty sore just from the process of training and getting ready for the dancing.
5: I was their oldest contestant at 59, and so I was kind of worried about keeping up with these 18 and 20-year-old people. But, oh, my gosh, nothing could have prepared me for how hard that was. (laughs) My feet are still hurting, and it's been two weeks now.
4: We're talking with Carol Baskin. Um, So we mentioned earlier the Tiger King documentary, which I don't know how many people have actually watched it on Netflix. You may know the actual number. But I'm curious always when you talk to, to people who suddenly have a massive amount of fame thrust upon them, You had a public job. You were a public figure in some ways, but all of a sudden you're on a rocket ship to fame. When did you realize how popular this documentary was becoming and what was that like to go, you just said you're 59 years old, for 58 years of your life or whatever, you have a life which has some forms that are public and then suddenly everybody has an opinion of you. What has that ride been like?
5: You know, when we worked with the producers, we worked with them for five years because they said they were making the blackfish of big cats and that it would expose all of the animal abuse and that this would help us get our federal bill passed. So when Tiger King came out, we saw it advertised and we contacted the producers and we were like, this can't be what you guys were working on, right? Because this is about Joe Exotic. That wasn't what you guys said. And so my husband and I sat there and we binge watched it like everybody else in the world. Apparently I heard there was like 60 million households that watched it. And at the end of it, you know, after what was that? Like, I don't know, eight or nine hours of watching that. We just looked at each other and our mouths were agape. It was like, what was that? That was just a freak show. And then my phone started ringing and I kid you not, it rang every two minutes around the clock for three months. Now, right now you can probably hear a lot of beeping on my phone because somebody on the free Joe exotic page just posted my cell number again, which means days of people calling and being stupid with me. But that's what it was like after tiger King aired. It was like everybody in the world wanted to tell me how much they hated me because I have tigers in cages and they wanted to say that I'm no better than Joe and that I should be breeding cats if I want to save them from extinction. And so The good news is that I actually think most people just don't understand the issues. They don't understand that captive breeding is actually leading to the extinction of the tiger. And, of course, I don't want cats in cages. Sanctuaries are all about putting ourselves out of business so that we don't have to have cats in cages by ending the private possession and the breeding for all of those cub handling opportunities. So even though most people were coming at me, you know, just all hot and bothered we've been able to educate so many of them and we probably wouldn't have reached them any other way
4: so we're talking to carol baskin from the tiger king documentary you can certainly track her down and uh, and read and see all of her uh, all of her work i believe i've got it just i'll give you uh at bigcatrescue.org or bigcattv.com so I- i'm curious again you watch that documentary did you watch it on Netflix like everybody else? Do they give the early feed to you before it goes public? Or do you no. just sit down and suddenly you see your picture on Netflix and you watch it? I mean, that, that's kind of wild, huh?
5: I mean, they, we were asking when it was being teased for Netflix. We were like, this can't be you guys, can it? Because it, you know, they were mentioning people in it that we had seen. It. And so we were like, we were just gobsmacked. <laughs> we could not believe that was the program that we had been interviewed for. And so the first time we saw any of that was when everybody else saw it.
4: So you sit down. What time do you sit? I'm I'm actually curious about what that viewing experience is like. So you sit down with your husband, and I I would imagine when you're the subject of a documentary, I mean, it's addictive normally on Netflix because they go right into the next uh, episode every single time. But you guys had to sit down and be like, there's no way you could stop watching it. So when do you start and when do you finish? And I'm assuming you watch it all in one sitting.
5: We did, and it was because you know we had. I'm seeing. Are you hearing all that noise on my phone?
4: Yeah, I can. Yeah,
5: I'm so sorry. Now that's people leaving voice messages, and I don't know how to turn off that sound. Um. So yeah, we sat through and watched the entire thing because we had been interviewed by Rob Moore for the Wondery podcast, and it was kind of the same way. You know, it teased people along, and it had this whole stupid feud thing, which was never true. I've never even spoken to Joe Exotic. But at the end of Rob Moore's Wondery podcast, he then goes through all of the, well, you know, turns out Joe was a liar and Joe was killing healthy cats and Joe was abusing people by providing drugs to them. And, you know, he went through all of the horrible things behind this character that he had painted. And so when we were watching Tiger King, we thought, well, maybe (laughs) at the end of this, they'll explain that she absolutely had nothing to do with the her husband being missing and all of that. And they just never did. And we just, we just could not believe that that was the end. And so then later on when they did that like eighth episode, we thought, well, maybe they'll address it in that. And no, nope. <laughs> they just still left all of those lies out there in front of people and called it a documentary, which... I think that's the worst thing that they did is because people believed, since it was called a documentary, that it was actually based on truth.
4: How many hours – I'm always skeptical in general with when people want to interview me. And the reason I like doing live radio or I like doing live television, which I do every day, is you can have whatever opinion you want of me, but it's live. And I get to use my forum every single day to say exactly what I think. And then people can have their own opinions, but there's not some cutting room floor of this show where there's three or four or five other hours of me talking that never get to see the light of day. We're doing live shows and so people can make their own impersonation or determinations based on that, right? So how many hours do you think you set for interviews, you may know, you may not know, with this uh, this documentary before it went public?
5: It was over five years. So over a five-year period, anytime they called up and said, hey, we want to talk to you, we would clear our calendars, we'd bring them out to the sanctuary. We would spend days with them each time and, you know, just they were asking all kinds of questions about the industry and, you know, what is all of this about cub petting? And we were explaining all of the issues to them. And then I think it was in like April of 2018, On one visit, they came, and all they wanted to talk about was my missing husband. And I was like, what has this got to do with anything? And they said, well, you know, all of the bad guys, they say all this crap about you, and we just want your side of it. And that ended up being the only stuff they used of me. If you look at the way I'm dressed (laughs) in Tiger King, you'll see that almost every scene of me is just from that one day that they came out and just dove into all of the lies that the animal abusers have been telling about me since forever.
4: What do you think, that is an interesting question because a lot of people watch that documentary and emerge from that documentary convinced that you killed your husband. What's that like to live with people believing that you are responsible for your first husband's death?
5: You know, you can't talk to me for five minutes that I'm not telling you about the abuse of big cats and what we can do to end it. And if you want to silence that message, then the only thing that you can do is to vilify the messenger to the point that nobody wants to hear what that person says. And I think that's what they did in Tiger King. Eric Good said from the very he was the producer, he said from the very beginning he was in the reptile industry. He was part of the exotic animal world. I was responsible here in Florida largely for something that passed that was called the Python Bill, which deeply restricted people's ability to trade in reptiles in Florida. And the reason for that was because pythons were just sucking all of the wildlife out of the Everglades. And I think that this has just been retaliatory toward me and they're using all of these unfounded allegations that you know, they were started by the animal abusers who were trying to discredit me. My husband walked out of the house one day and never came back and that's the end of it. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more sinister than that and that could happen to anybody.
4: What does that feel like, right? Because if, you, if people hear your name now, because you became an overnight household name. And we're talking to Carol Baskin from The Tiger King. And if I say your name on my radio show, Carol Baskin, and people recognize it, one of the first things they think is, oh, Carol Baskin killed her husband.
5: They did such an excellent job of portraying that by trotting out every animal abuser who had any reason to hate me and having them all back up each other's claims that you know, without any evidence being produced at all. And then I think they really took advantage of Don's kids by dragging them into it. And, you know, so many of the things that they said in Tiger King were just untrue and anybody could go down to the public courthouse and pull the records, the public records and see that they were lying, but they refused to do that. The media still refuses to do that, even though I keep giving them the case numbers and the copies of You know, one of the things that makes people think that I had something to do with my husband's disappearance was that our sheriff, unfortunately, watched Tiger King and said, oh, yeah, the documents are forged. And it was like, no, at the time, back in 1998, when the conservatorship was in place and I was dealing with his daughter's. They wanted to say that he had died intestate, thinking that they would get more. But in Florida law, that meant that they would get nothing because they were all adults at the time. So everything would have passed to me if those documents had been forged. But they hadn't been forged. And so I brought in three expert firms, had them examine all of the original documents, all of the original uh, sample signatures for my husband, including the marriage that took to everybody wants to talk about. They used all of their tools, all of their science. And they said all of those documents were authentic. I copied the sheriff's office with that. It's in the public record in the courthouse, and nobody wants to look at that. They want to listen to the one guy that they found who looked at a copy online and said, oh, I think that's a forgery. And that has become the narrative, and that has become the reason everybody thinks that I killed my husband. And it's just so easily disproved, and nobody wants to look at that.
4: Did you trust the media before this documentary came out and how much trust do you have in the media now?
5: I've actually been in the press over 2000 times before Tiger King. And in all of the times that I have been quoted, I can count on one hand and have fingers left over the number of times they actually got it right. <laughs> and it's it's usually, you know, it's just something stupid like they'll say instead of Me being on 67 acres, I'm on 670 acres or I'm on six acres or, you know, something like that. It's just ignorant stuff. But no, they never get it right.
4: It is interesting because I'm in the media. I have my own radio show, my own TV show. And so I I literally am a member of the media. But also people write and talk about me in the media. And I'm always stunned by how much I know 100% is wrong about me that is written And I am incredibly skeptical of what other people have written about them. I always say, the guys who work on my show know this, until I meet somebody, I don't like to have an opinion of what they're like because the media can create what I call like 20-foot tall uh, expectations of what someone's like, and they're like an inch deep, right? So you can just punch right through it. And you're like, oh, that person is not what the caricature of them might be like. And that's why I like having people on this show. You sound like an eminently reasonable, likable, normal person right now talking to us on the radio. On the documentary, the way that they ca- they, they cast it, you seem to like uh, you know, the Cruella DeVille of the tiger industry.
5: And if you look at it, we actually created a webpage at bigcatrescue.org slash Netflix, and what we did was we went through minute by minute, and we'd say, okay, they they let me say the truth here, but then look what they did with the editing. You know, they cut to a picture of me scowling, or they yes. cut to a picture of me walking in slow motion, you know, and looking all sinister. And it's like that mental thing that people don't realize that they were getting hit with is just amazing what they were able to do and in misrepresenting who I was or what I was saying. And so I I feel for you if you've been a victim of this, because unless you've been a victim of it, you can't even imagine how cruel and how untrue most of what you read is in the press.
4: We're talking to Carol Baskin. That's why
5: I don't follow the news.
4: (laughs) Well, it's interesting. There are a lot of people who are in agreement with that. We're talking to Carol Baskin (laughs) uh, from the Tiger King. She's down in Florida back from Dancing with the Stars. So, one of the things that uh, is so fascinating about uh, your story is obviously the relationship with Joe Exotic. And you said, I think just just uh, earlier in this interview, that you have never actually spoken with him?
5: I've never spoken to him. I've only ever even seen him twice. No, three times because of the trial. Um, and every time I saw him, it was in, well, I saw him one other time. Uh, so I've seen him four times in my life. I've only, I've never spoken to him. And I think, you know, so many times when people pitch us for shows, they tell us that they want this, like, character-driven kind of scenario, and they want the Jerry Springer effect and all of that. And I think when Tiger King was pitching their show, they needed to make it a feud between two people. And, of course, you know, Joe Schreibogel has my name on his lips every single day with curse words in between my first and last name. Yes. And there was nothing online of me saying anything bad about him they They couldn't get me to talk bad about him on camera. I mean, five years of trying, they couldn't get me to say anything hateful about him. I only want to talk about cub abuse and people paying to pet cubs and why that's causing the extinction of the tiger in the wild. And so they had nothing to work with. And so it's like, well, If you have to make him some kind of a sympathetic character, then we have to make her this Karen that everybody can blame for everything that's going wrong in 2020. And that way we have this feud going on. And so I think that that was their intent all along, was just to create a storyline that they could sell to Netflix. And I've been told that they sold it for $16 million. So I think they had 16 million reasons to trash my, my reputation without cause.
4: We're talking to Carol Baskin. So Joe Exotic becomes the hero. You become the villain. Yet Joe is in prison, maybe for the rest of his life. You are free to go about as you see fit in your life. But you're also in a prison of sorts, which is the public perception of you. So I'm, I'm curious, Joe can try to get out of prison. And if he did, there'd probably be people who would pay to get his autograph uh, and all of those things, right? Because he's now a celebrity and in some way people see him in a positive light, you are free to go about publicly on your day-to-day existence, but yet you're in a prison created by this documentary. Which do you, I mean, I know he's in a tougher spot, but you in many ways have not been proven to do anything wrong at all, and you're in your own prison.
5: Well, that's absolutely correct. And I think the two hardest things about what has been done to me has been how that's affected my family, And if you can imagine somebody saying the things about your mother that are being said about me, what that's like for my daughter, because she lived through all of that. She knows it's all nonsense. And yet she went on a rescue just recently. (laughs) An alligator was chasing down a bobcat that was injured, and she had to rush in and intervene and save the bobcat. And afterwards, the guy who had called in the call said, You know when my friends when I told my friends it was going to be big cat rescue, they said if they're sending out Carol Baskin, you better run. And he said, "Do you know who that is?" And she said, "Yes, that's my mom." And she's having to deal with that every day of her life because of this horrible portrayal. And the other thing that is, I think, really difficult is that I still have a job to do. My job is to end the abuse of big cats, and yet it's created me as this controversial figure that's like well can you trust her because you know she probably killed her husband so why should i listen to her about cub abuse and so they've really diminished my ability to to continue our mission to end the abuse of big cats and to save them in the wild
4: do you think joe should be in prison
5: Oh, absolutely. Anybody who sat through that trial knows that, and the producer from Tiger King sat through that trial, but that didn't fit with their
4: narrative. Would they not let cameras in for the trial itself? Because that's where, so me as a lawyer, that's where I really wanted to see the testimony and be able to see everything. They put up, you know, courtroom sketches. I'm assuming they wouldn't allow cameras in the courtroom.
5: They wouldn't even allow cell phones. So like all of us who were sitting there in the audience we all had to check our phones at the door right they wanted no public record of that and i hated that because that really needed to be in the public view if the public had seen the testimony and had seen all of the evidence all of the things that joe said that just put himself in jail where he was caught in undercover tapes and all of that anybody who saw or heard that knows he is exactly where he belongs
4: do you own the gw zoo now yeah. <laughs> so what is the status? Because a lot of people would be curious, what is the status of that zoo and the animals there? And that and Wendy Wood, I think Oklahoma is where it's located. What is that like and what are you doing now as the owner of the zoo?
5: The judge gave us ownership back in June and they gave Jeff Lowe, who was the person who took over after Joe, Um, they gave him until October the 1st to move all of the animals off because the animals were never part of our lawsuit. They're a liability, whereas you know, when you get awarded something, you don't get awarded somebody's bills. You get awarded their assets. And so the assets were like the vehicles and the equipment and the actual land. And so Jeff Lowe was not able to get all of his animals out. We gave him an extra day to get them out because – Rather than go through the whole court system and it taking months more to get him out, we just said, sure, take another day. And he took everything except for three tigers, two bears, and 11 wolves. So we had a team sitting there from before October 1st to make sure that, you know, he didn't just abandon animals there and that they would be taken care of. They went in, they took care of the animals that were left, loaded them up, and sent them out to Wild Animal Refuge, which is run by Pat Craig in Colorado where the cages there are like 35 acres to 75 acres once they get through their quarantine period. So they'll have really nice homes there, but the rest of the animals Jeff Lowe took down to Thackerville. he's lost his USDA license, which means he can't exhibit or have film crews there. So I don't know what he's thinking or how he thinks he's going to be able to afford to take care of those animals. But um hopefully USDA will end up seizing those animals and putting those in sanctuaries as well.
4: What's your plan? And what we plan to do,
5: we plan to sell the property with covenants in the deed that say that you can never have exotic animals there and you can never turn it into like a tourist attraction of Tiger King was here kind of thing.
4: Are they trying to do some sort, as popular as this was, you mentioned I think 60 million people might have watched it. Maybe they got $16 million for the documentary. Are they trying to do a follow-up in some way? I'm assuming you wouldn't want to be a participant in that, but have they tried to get you to talk to them in the wake of the popularity of the first version of this this uh, series?
5: The original producers have not come back to us because they know that we know what they are like now and that we would never trust them. But a lot of, you know, this is a small world, so a lot of people have reported to us that they are trying to sell a season two and that they're spending all of their time trying to find anybody that would possibly say anything detrimental about me because that's what America just ate up.
4: And what kind of recourse, last question for you, and I appreciate the time. What kind of recourse do you have legally for what you believe were misrepresentations of your character and person in that first documentary?
5: Yeah, you always have the court system and you can sue for libel and slander The problem with suing for those is that you have to prove a damage, and I don't know how we would prove that because of the fact that COVID-19 hit within five days of Tiger King. We lost a third of our income in March of this year when we closed our doors, and we had to close our doors because we can't give a private tour to 20 people that have to stay in close contact with each other. (laughs) and because we couldn't have people coming onto the property and trying to throw poisoned meat or something to the cats because so many people were saying they felt like the cats were better dead than in cages, and we are fearful for their lives.
4: Carol Baskin, uh, as we go out, one positive is at least you've got a catchphrase. Danny G, who set this up, I appreciate you coming on, would like for you to say, hey, all you cat- cool cats and kittens as we, uh, as we head out.
5: Actually, I should have started with, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs>
4: Carol Baskin, I appreciate the time, uh, and uh, thank you, and uh, I'll be interested to hear where the story goes from here.
1: Thank you so much. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: Okay,
4: COVID news, the COVID uh, sports network here. Uh, The Titans, who were hoping to open back up their facility today, had two new players test positive for the coronavirus after having gone yesterday, I think they had none, right? Or was it two straight days they had had none? I can't even remember. I think they had had two straight days with no positives, and so the hope was that this morning they were going to be able to open back up their facility to get ready for the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Now that is unclear. Two players testing positive. We don't know who those two players are. Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots has tested positive. And that is a big deal, obviously, in the NFL because that would expand the New England Patriots positive roster from just Cam Newton, and now the Patriots would have both their best offensive player, Cam Newton, and their best defensive player, Stephon Gilmore, testing positive. This would throw into the question whether the Patriots are going to be able to play going forward and whether they can return to their facility. They have canceled practice today. And also, in a bigger issue here for the Titans, we'll have to see what ends up happening with their game against the Bills. There also is a report that a member of the Raiders has tested positive. Uh and so we will see exactly what is going on there, but there will be a lot of stories coming out certainly in the world of the uh of the NFL surrounding all of this. We'll come back to that to close out the show by the way. But on the flip side, we just had what I think is a really interesting interview with Carol Baskin and I mean that was for people who watched Joe Exotic, she was fantastic, wasn't she?
0: Yeah, they Made her seem like a Looney Tunes on the documentary. And I told you. But she
4: just spent 25 minutes with us and seemed totally normal.
0: Yeah. And we pointed this out a couple of weeks ago when I first got in contact with her. She emailed right back and was very cool to deal with when I was dealing with a couple of professional sports teams that, you know, were being very difficult. So whenever you have a question about your Bengal cats, by the way, you should have took my advice months ago when I told you to go Russian blue. Yeah. But um, it, it was insightful. Like, I actually learned something about what was going on, not only with the, the case and uh, the the wildlife park she took over, but stuff behind the scenes with uh, the media and how some of that was taken possibly out of context. And the, and, and now that I think about it, it's funny how she said, if, if you watch that Netflix documentary or quote-unquote documentary, she was in that same outfit all the time. So they kind of uh, just avalanched her with uh, the whole thing about her husband. Really interesting interview there.
4: Uh, What did you think? Did you watch the Tiger King documentary, Dub? Absolutely. So what did you think? Like, What was your expectation of her from the documentary versus the 20-plus minutes she just spent with us?
3: Yeah, I was really unsure of how that interview was going to go, which directions it would take, Uh, but I thought it went really well. I thought it was a fascinating conversation, and also, I mean, you, are you gonna? You got to show your wife the audio of what she was telling you about your. Oh, it's new terrifying two cats. about the
4: bingo cats. I mean, that's uh, that is if this
3: is a whole new situation that, <laughs> that you have I on knew your hands getting now.
4: these cats was going to be a disastrous move. I just knew it. which is why I've been anti-cat, and then my wife and the kids all wanted cats, and then, like I'm allergic to cats, so we had to get some cats that would not make us, uh, you know, we would be able to. I'd be able to live in the house and not die. Uh, because of allergies and now we got cats that are gonna be peeing everywhere this is uh, this is not ideal for me
0: but you're rich you could actually put a running stream inside your mansion and the and the cats will just spray in there
4: I, I the running stream I don't think would help me I might have to build a n- new house for the cats I'm, I'm gonna have to move to a, I'm gonna have to get my compound that's my new goal is I want to have like I like my house now it's a it's a good place to live we've been here five or six years. But my new goal is to have like a bunch of acreage, and I'm gonna have to have a compound. And as a part of that compound, I think I'm just gonna have to move the cats into their own house, like their own little like dollhouse. I need to have a cat house, not a cat house. Unfortunately, they'll be filled with a bunch of prostitutes. Uh, They're a harem for my uh, fulfillment, but a literal cat house. Like I need like one of those, uh, you know, like kids dollhouses that we just put the cats in that I never have to enter. Because they don't go outside, these cats. They stay inside all the time. Eddie, did you watch the Tiger King documentary? I absolutely did, yes. So what did you think? I mean, did you leave this conversation thinking like, hey, Carol Baskin – like sounds totally normal, like a reasonable person. Well, I think it's a reminder that, and we saw this with the Michael Jordan thing, right? That just because they slap documentary on it doesn't mean that there aren't biases and slants. That's a great point. And things like that involved in the filmmaking by the people who put it on. There's a lot of, you know, you think documentary, well, they're just going to throw the facts out there and and you decide for yourself. Eh, A lot of times that's not the case. Well, you know, it's interesting because I got asked, somebody's doing a documentary on Steve McNair. And they reached out to me and they said, hey, will you be interviewed for this documentary? And it's not obviously not a documentary about me, but I also got asked by HBO Real Sports to be on their program. Uh, They're doing a story about football coming back. And they were like, hey, will you be interviewed? And I said, I don't know if I want to do it either one because I don't like, as someone who does live radio and as someone who does live television, you can have whatever opinion you want of me for purposes of live radio or live television. But I know that every word that I say gets to be heard. I don't like sitting for interviews that aren't live where they then can take my words and put them out of context because then you're giving all the power to the documentarian and it may not be an accurate reflection of what I actually said. Does that make sense? So I don't even like to sit for these interviews because I'm like, I don't know what role I'm going to play in the uh, documentary or in the interview if I talk for five hours and they take five minutes of what I said, that's really not a very accurate reflection. And we've seen this already. You know, I had to tape the entire interview that I did with the Washington Post. They wrote a you know twenty three hundred word piece on me, and I don't remember the total. I think they used a hundred words for me, and I posted the excerpt, and we had you know thousands, tens of thousands of words from me. So how can you argue that that's in any way an accurate reflection? What about you, Roberto? Did you watch it?
0: Oh yeah, it was crazy. Uh, the interesting thing was that she didn't, she didn't had no idea that the, that the, that her documentary that she's, she was being filmed for came out.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, by the time it actually came out, it was not in any way a uh, an accurate re- rejection.
0: Yeah, that's uh, crazy.
4: Yeah, my wife is evidently listening, and she said, "Tell Danny G, we tried to get Russian blues, and we got catfish. That's true. We tried to buy some Russian blues, and there's all these places out there now online where they try to sell you got to be careful if oh, you're buying yeah. a you, dog or a cat.
0: You had mentioned this on the air actually that yeah. your assistant almost put a deposit down, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah, we almost tried, we almost got catfish for the Russian blues. There've been so many people in the quarantine, a lot of moms, dads, kids. That they've said, okay, we're gonna be around the house. Well, we'll get a kitten, you know, we'll get a puppy, yeah, you yep. know, to kind of have as a family uh, entertainment. And also, we have the time to be able to raise one because we're spending so much time around the house. And as a result, there are huge catfishing scams because there's a shortage of puppies and cats, relatively speaking, compared to normal because so many people have wanted them. And so, yeah, we almost got catfished on the going for
1: the Russian Blue. It's crazy.
4: NFL COVID positive uh, to uh, what's today Wednesday COVID positive Wednesday morning. You got Stephon Gilmore testing positive. You got two more Titans players reportedly testing positive, as well as a report that the Oakland Raiders have a positive. I don't think there's any uh, solution here other than, and, and Ryan Glasspiegel at Outkick just wrote this, and I think he's right. There are two options, basically. One is you can acknowledge that everybody's not going to play 16 games. Because the Titans-Bills, for instance, is supposed to be played Sunday, but then the Bills are supposed to play against the Chiefs on a Thursday night game. So there's no way you could bump Titans-Bills to Monday night like we saw with the Chiefs and then have them play the Bills, that is, on Thursday night. So what I think the NFL is going to have to decide is, one, they can add an extra week to the end of the season, uh, maybe extra weeks to the end of the season, to allow games that have to be postponed or canceled to be played at the end of the year. The other is they can just give playoff berths based on win percentage. In other words, some teams might not play 16 games. I think adding weeks to the season makes more sense uh, than just not playing games. I don't think you can forfeit games. I think that is a real mess to get into if people are testing positive and you forfeit games. What would you guys do quickly? I bet we'll still be talking about this tomorrow with the breaking news that's out there. What would you do to make the NFL season happen, Danny G? I
0: I, I go with the postponements, I think. And And add weeks to the season. Yes, and uh, deal with it like extra bye weeks almost. Dub, what would you do?
3: Give me week eighteen, week nineteen. Let's get some more weeks at the end of the season. Get all the games played. And plus it's another week into football.
4: Yeah. But I, I agree. What about you, Eddie?
0: Uh I would agree with what everybody's saying. Add weeks.
4: Roberto, you yep. also add, add weeks. weeks. Does yeah. anybody think that forfeits should happen if players are testing positive?
0: No. Nah.
4: Yeah. Absolutely I think the not. only way you could do a forfeit is if you found out like hey, a team, you know, violated protocol in a big way. Like if you found out a whole team went out to a club and there's video of them all out and then a bunch of them test positive, then I think you could point to a clear violation of NFL rules. But I don't think you want to set the precedent of forfeiting games based on uh, teams having players test positive. I think that's just a really, really bad precedent to set for the NFL. And frankly, Can any of you even remember a time when the NFL forfeited a game for any reason? I can't remember in my life any NFL game being forfeited. Can anybody else? I'm sure maybe there have been forfeits in the NFL before, but I can't remember it ever happening in my life. Uh, We have got a loaded program. If you missed it, Carol Baskin from the Tiger Kings, she was phenomenal. We also talked with John Morosi, our Major League Baseball insider. Go download the podcast and make sure you don't miss a single minute of this program. Seriously, trust me, go grab it. Make sure you download the podcast. A lot to dive into today's program. Thanks for the callers. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the
1: coverage with Clay Travis. Oh, oh.